Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. To call James Sicily an absolute super coach, an AFL fantasy star, is probably an understatement. To also call him a super coach, an AFL fantasy headache, is also a fair statement. When he's hot, he's hot. And when he's not, you want to get off. James Sicily, one of the best defenders going around and someone that at some point in 2024 you want to own. But the question is when. Hey, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant, looking who I think are the players across AFL Fantasy and Supercoach that are the most relevant players we must have conversations and considerations about this preseason. Joining me on this episode, chances are you've seen this man across the social media forums, especially on Twitter slash X. He's a part of the Code Sports and News Corp Supercoach team. It's Tim Mitchell, mate. Nice to see you and a pleasure to have you on this episode talking about James Sicily. No, MJ, great to be part of one of the most iconic uh, sort of series in, in Supercoach preseason in the, the top 50 and to talk about one of well and truly the, the most relevant players of, of the offseason as well. I know that we've already um, all been sort of dissecting what round zero or opening round, whatever you want to call it, might mean for our, our Supercoach teams and uh, with the Hawks not playing in uh, round zero, it, it makes James Sisley even more relevant. So looking forward to crunching some of those numbers and, and hopefully giving uh, the punters out there some some good advice on whether uh, Sisdog should be in their teams or not. Yeah, certainly, Shah. Let's look at some of this seasonal data in a little bit more depth. A Supercoach average last year of 114, consisting of 12 tonnes, a season high and a career high score last year, a 172. He's not going to come cheap for you. He's over 630,000 for you in Supercoach, while over in AFL Fantasy. It's a 104.5 average, meaning he's priced at just under 950K in Fantasy, a little bit over that in Dream Team at 964,000, 10 tons last year, and a season and career high score of 165. Tim, we'll get into his numbers in a little bit more depth, and it does read a little bit like a uh, going through a different variation of speeding cameras. It's just like it's high and low at various times, but it, just in a pure football sense, he led the league in marks, second for intercepts, fourth for effective disposals, and sixth for rebound 50s. He's so critical to this Hawthorne rebuild that they're undertaking. If it wasn't for him, even more losses than what they had last year. But just watching him, he patrols the ground beautifully, reads the football with elite precision, and whether it be at ground or in the air, with kicks or by hand, gosh, he, he really is a special footballer. Love or, or hate him, he's a really nice player in that Hawthorne back six. Oh, he definitely is, mate. One of the, the best defenders in the league now, I think it goes without saying. And yeah, you talk about some of those numbers that he... He managed to put up last year. They're they're up there with sort of some of the best defenders of, of all time, really, in a season. Like to average 10, 10 marks effectively a game, nine intercepts a game, and he's also putting out sort of eight contested possessions a game as well, which you wouldn't think for a guy that plays in defence. So um, he ticks pretty much every box for um, what the champion data scorers are looking for in in Supercoach and. Yes, he can frustrate from time to time. We know he got that uh, suspension, which some people would argue uh, still was was unfair for his tackle on 
um, Hugh McCluggage sort of in the second uh, or sort of the last third of, of last season, which threw a few people off, especially when our trades were running pretty low in uh, in Supercoach and, and made it tough to get rid of him. But I think he was one that, yeah, I pretty much owned for most of the season. I think he was the last player that I traded out to get uh, – uh, or I might have even been the last player I traded in, sorry, when I finally got rid of Clayton Oliver, um, and he rewarded me um, for, for most of the second half of last season. So, yeah, he's a player that you've got to think really strongly about owning, especially um, down to those in, that intercept prowess that he has, because we know that uh, in Supercoach in particular, like that attracts huge points, in particular uh, intercept marks, which are um, a real strength in his game. First time in his career that he averaged more than three intercept marks a game. He averaged 3.5 last year, so... Uh, I would suspect that that's going to continue to be a trend. And I think people would argue, MJ, that as Hawthorne gets better, maybe some of these numbers drop off because there's a little bit less ball in that defence. But I think it might actually be the opposite. Like you look at some of his numbers and it seems to be that when um, the Hawks come up against some better teams, like when they played Collingwood last year, was one of James Sicily's best scores for the whole year. So I don't necessarily subscribe to the theory that um, as Hawthorne gets more competitive, and maybe there's a little less less ball in their defence that it might hurt James Sicily's scoring because, if anything, it might enable him to play a little bit looser than he has um, in the last couple of years, and he might even be able to pick up a, a few extra intercepts along the way. Yeah, I love that perception and that perspective too, and that's the beauty of the preseason is getting to hear from these different voices in the super coach and AFL fantasy community that have different reads on the same thing and see it and just help fill out the way we perceive the game of football. In AFL fantasy last year, that 104.5 and 10 tons, seven of them huge, over 120, three over 130. And despite having a handful of games under 80, he still ranks second by average in that format amongst all defenders. While in Supercoach, the format that Tim certainly is strongest and most known for, that 114 average, you mentioned you had him right throughout the year, 12 tons and a really strong conversion of hundreds to ceiling hundreds of 120 plus, seven over 130 and three over 160. Whether or not you put the VC or C on him in those weeks is irrelevant. You get a guy in a line that's given you a 160 and multiple 170s, doesn't matter. That protects bad rookie roulette calls. That boosts up scoring. And so anyone that's got that frequency of ceiling, you've got to pay attention to. Second of all defenders by average. And here's the crazy thing. Missed a bunch of games all through suspension. We'll get to those. Still seventh for all defenders by points. So exceptional scorer. And even in wins, this guy's a next level animal. And Tim, you talked about this team that building this pathway to improvement. He's got a 17 points per game bump in wins in Supercoach compared to losses and a massive 29.3 points per game, what he averages up to 123 in their seven AFL fantasy wins last year compared to just a 93.8 in AFL fantasy and dream team. So as we turn the corner to start focusing on what it means for 2024, it feels basic to say, but sometimes we need to when we're paying up these big dollars. There's only really three pathways for a James Sicily. Scoring to regress, scoring to kind of hold, or scoring to increase. And I think there's a couple of elements that we need to decide and discuss before we make our final decision. And I'm going to get your take at the end of this episode. Is he a starting squad option or is he someone to upgrade? You mentioned this Mark Tally, Tim, and I think it's a Awesome point that you bring this up because the Hawks ranked fourth overall as a team in the league. 
but Sicily was a clear leader. 9.95 or something like that, just half a mark a moment away. And only five people last year averaged more than eight marks. And he's more than 1.3 ahead of Callum Wilkie, who's next. So exceptionally high numbers. He's also the leading marks per game player in 2022, but that was going at 8.64. The last time a player had more than nine marks a game, you got to go back to a really terrible Carlton year of 2017. It was Sam Doherty. And then since 2014, there's only two guys that have got a higher average per game mark tally than what James Sicily is coming off the back of. And it all comes one player, Nick Rewalt. He went at 10.57 in 2016 and in 2015, 9.71. So these are incredibly high statistical data points for us. So Tim, it, it might feel like a basic question, but is this marking sustainable pace for him? Because if it is, the, the progression of holding and increasing scoring is right there. But if this is not, not only whether it comes through intercepts, the effective disposals and things he does around side it, even just if that drops one mark per game on average, we are going to see a regression. So do you see a pathway where this mark holding of the ball will hold for James Sicily? It's a great question because definitely when a player has uh, such a high um, and, and a career best average as he did last year for intercept marks and, and marks, you'd have to think there is that possibility that he might drop off by by one or two marks potentially this season. But I think the reason that um, I doubt that that's going to happen, and he might even hold steady at, um, say, 10 marks a game, which is still, as as you pointed out, MJ, compared to just about every other player in the league, those are just incredible numbers that would, would rank right up there anyway this, um, this coming season. So... Um, I think sort of worst case scenario with James Sicily, like we're probably going to get eight, nine marks a game, which is still going to be very good scoring anyway. Um, but yeah, I would not be surprised if he managed to hold that 10 because it's like you look at what the likely makeup of Hawthorne's backline is going to be this year. Um, Will McCabe, who they took as a, a father-son player in the draft, might get a look in because they don't have a lot of tools back there. You think James Blank might play as, as one of the tall defenders as well, but James Sicily still sort of so integral with his height to the way that that Hawthorne backline sets up, really the way that that whole Hawthorne team sets up. So I think that the best thing is that unless teams go very tall and James Sicily has to play a lockdown role, which sometimes hurts his scoring, um, Sam Mitchell seems to give him a lot of freedom, as you would suspect, being the captain of the team to, I don't know, read the ball, um, come off his opponent and take those intercept marks that are, are such a key point of his game. So I don't think if we do see a drop off, it's going to be a lot. But as you point out, if he, say, went down to eight or nine marks on average for a game, that might be four or five less points a game potentially. But then again, being such a quality player that James Sicily is, MJ, like it wouldn't surprise me if he picked up those four or five points in another way, whether it was more disposals, um, I don't know, more spoils, a little bit more contested footy. I'm sure he'd find a way to sort of potentially still average around 110 anyway. So not a player I'm all that concerned about. But um, I think, yeah, the marking side of it's a really good point because 10 is such a high number that it might be hard to get back there again. There's another component to, to Sicily scoring, not just because of the marking and how well he reads the play to, to prevent opposition teams bringing that ball into that defensive 50. Um, another clear pathway of scoring that hits the ground for our defenders is that pathway of bringing the ball in by foot from behinds through kick-ins. Blake Hardwick led it last year. I think he had 82 kick-ins last year. Sicily was kind of next in line from there. 
Talk to me about how you see this defensive line and potentially this area. Does Hardwick hold and maintain that role? Could Sicily gain or lose some kick-ins? And then there's also Carl Amon, who in the preseason and late last year moved to halfback and, and was another important player um, with their ball movement. How do you see this back line working so that they're not just as James Sicily dependent as they may have been? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, they're one of the most interesting teams, I think, this preseason Hawthorne because... Apart from sort of some of their draftees, um, we haven't focused on them all that much in the last couple of seasons. Maybe last preseason we were talking about, say, James Warple, for example, and his increased role in the midfield. But um, I know a lot of people have been watching um, what's been going on in the track down at Waverley pretty closely and moves like Connor McDonald spending more time in the midfield um, with the dearth of forward options that we've got this year, or certainly premium forward options anyway, and whether he can be a breakout. But um, certainly the big one is is Carl Amon and the extra time that he spent in defence late last year that you touched on there. I think four tonnes in his last five games and, and they seem to have sort of really found a good role for him playing behind the footy and, and all word out of um, Hawthorne this preseason is that he's going to spend a lot more time behind the footy. But the big move has been um, and what might mean that James Sicily picks up a few more kick-ins than he did last year is that Blake Hardwick who played a fair bit of footy as a junior forward. It seems like they, um, they're keen to maybe add a bit more potency to their attack, the Hawks, and they're going to try and do that by sending Blake Hardwick into attack at least early on in the season. Is that something that's going to be um, sustainable or a, a success that we see um, take place throughout the whole season? I think that that remains to be seen. Maybe it's something they trial for the first couple of weeks, the first month, and then see how it plays out. And, and Blake Hardwick might shuffle back to defence if it's not working. But... I think at least early on in the season, we're going to see at least a, a little spike in kick-ins for, for James Sicily. Um, but it certainly makes it a, a slightly stronger case to pick Carl Amon, who I know we're not focused on here. But um, I think Sicily and, and Carl Amon are going to be the, the two sharing the kick-ins for Hawthorne this year. So Sicily will get a few, but I think a lot of Blake Hardwick's kick-ins will probably go to Carl Amon as well. So I expect a, a little uptick, but not necessarily a huge one with um, Blake Hardwick playing an attack for, for James Sicily's kick-in numbers. Yeah, and as you said, okay, Sicily loses a mark, a mark and a half a game. If, if he's picking that up with two extra kick-ins per game, like right away there, that's where that scoring has got that opportunity to, to level out and hold. Let again, if the marking data, which again, statistically would be really difficult to do, but absolutely potential as a pathway forward for him, if he gets all those elements landing together, but, well, now we've got a guy that is absolutely going to be hard to get on if you don't own him to start the year. When you're owning James Sicily, you know a couple of things. It's going to be a tumultuous ride. And that's not just because he's going to find a way to get suspended. I think last year there was a couple in there, but the season prior, it was relatively more stable than it had been over previous years. So some people were like, oh, he just finds ways he's a hothead. And early in his AFL career, that's true. Last year, True and then slightly unfair or unwarranted if you want to take, as you mentioned, that tackle with Hugh McCluggage around there. The year before, he played 22 games. 
And, and so it's not like every year Sicily's finding a way to suspend himself out of your team. What is happening is he's getting tagged. Is opposition teams are realizing if we want to stop Hawthorne's ball movement, stop Hawthorne's defense from structuring up well, Sicily's the guy we want to isolate and pull him away. And then we see this volatile scoring. Like, for example, round 13, he goes 130. Round 14, he goes 165. And he goes 121 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Well, Supercoach, 136, 58, 171. Like, it's an absolute roller coaster. Any given week, you could put the VC on him and walk away with the leading player in Supercoach or AFL Fantasy. The next week, You've got the VC or C on a guy that politely some cash cows will outperform by 20 points. So when we look at him as a starting squad option, Tim, how close to you is the fixture important for you? I know you mentioned he doesn't have that opening round dilemma and he's not going to miss any of those early buys. How important to you are those elements in a starting squad? Or for you, are you very much in the mindset, I want the best players for as long as I can and I'll write out the good scores and the bad scores because I know I'll get both with Sicily. Yeah, fixture definitely important with, like, as we already touched on, that opening round and not having an early buy being one of the, the real considerations with um, some of these top dollar premiums this year. Like, I'm looking at, I don't know, players like Christian Petrarca at 670K, for example, and going, well, I know he's got, I think, around five or around six buys. So, do I really want to pay almost 700K for a player that I'm going to lose, albeit for a best 18 round only um, a month or so into the season. But we don't have that worry with James Sicily, thankfully. I think with the Taggers, MJ, like it's just so hard to pinpoint necessarily which players are going to go to um, those rebound uh, defenders that do it so effectively, like James Sicily. And we've seen um, like Mitch Owens, for example, tag Tom Stewart in the past and do that pretty successfully as well. But you can't necessarily look at a fixture like you would for I don't know, a player like Finn McGuinness, for example, that you know is going to do a tagging job just about every week and go, okay, well, if I want to avoid Finn McGuinness, these are the players that he's likely to tag early in the season where, I don't know, if you look at Hawthorne's draw early in 2024 and you go, well, which of these games might be potential tags, It's I think it's a lot harder to um, sort of potentially pinpoint when teams might try and lock down James Sicily. Like there's been um, traditionally some good matchups for players like James Sisley, he seems to play really well against Collingwood, like I already touched on. Even a team like Richmond, which I'm sort of really fascinated to see how the Tigers set up and whether they um, don't allow some of the key players um, for opposition teams the freedom that we've seen under Damien Hardwick. Like they've obviously got the new coach in Adam Uze, but in round 19 last year, James Sisley, like most halfback and quality halfbacks do against the Tigers, he had 28 disposals, took 13 marks and scored 171. So whether the Tigers are going to allow that same sort of freedom, I guess, remains to be seen. But the two real um, standout tagging jobs last year, weren't they, that um, teams did on James Sicily were round 20 when um, Hawthorne had its return game against St Kilda. So in round 11, he absolutely brained St Kilda, had 43 mm. disposals, 16 marks, got 172. And from memory, he gave away a double 50-metre penalty late in that game that cost him a 200 score in Supercoach. If he hadn't done that, um, it would have been a 200 score and one of the, the best scores in Supercoach history. So that could have been absolutely anything. But the return game was only, I think, eight or nine weeks later. And Ross Lyon said, I'm not going to let this happen again. Cooper Sharman went to him. And if it wasn't for sort of some junk time disposals late in the game, um, Sicily wouldn't have even scored 100 Supercoach points. So he managed to drag himself to 102. But 
Um, I think Eddie Ford set the blueprint, didn't he? So, um, like you touched on the sort of agony and ecstasy of owning um, James Sicily and a lot of people um, sort of rode out his buy and rode out the suspension as well, which took in his buy um, after he um, got rubbed out in round 13 and then got him back in round 18 and thought, okay, well, hopefully my faith is going to be justified here after holding him for more than a month. And Eddie Ford absolutely blanketed him with his lo- um, lowest disposals apart from round four when he had 14 against the Cats. So uh, from his hot streak anyway, his lowest disposals, he had 17 in that game and, and 58 super coach and, Imagine holding him for that long and then he comes out and scores 58. Like, it couldn't have really worked out much worse. So, there's definitely, um, yeah, going to be some frustrating games along the way. There always is with James Sicily, but I think they're offset more than anything, MJ, by those weeks where he goes 160-plus, which he tends to at least three or four times a year and you're feeling like an absolute king of um, fantasy or, or super coach on those weeks that he does go absolutely massive. Yeah, so you look at that first six weeks of the year, again, knowing there's four of them that are best 18 available and ceiling scores really helpful and basement scores. Well, if he has a stinker, well, you always want your premiums to count. Maybe that's a good time to be able to balance out one of those 60s. Yep, you'll probably lose the cash, but the scoring doesn't impact you as much. Over those first six weeks, Essendon, Melbourne, Geelong, Collingwood, who you mentioned he's got a really nice matchup of history against, Gold Coast, Potentially, we might see the parallels of Richmond scoring to Gold Coast under Damian Hardwick and then North Melbourne. So, Eddie Ford, just stay away from our fantasy and super coach teams for that week if you could. I, I suppose we know at some point in the season we want to own James Sicily because there's stretches of big tons and frequency of tons. We also know there's weeks where he's going to headache and frustrate us. And the dilemma for super coaches and for the fantasy footy community in general is when do we just bite the bullet do we start with him do we hope there's that pathway of upside that you navigated for us so beautifully earlier on in this episode you go that's it i'm going to bank the ceiling i know i'm going to have three or four weeks of pain but i'm going to eliminate the chance of being burnt by the ceiling games and i'm just going to take my medicine on those rounds and away i go equally do you see it the inverse way and you go i know there's going to be a couple weeks this hurts but there's going to be a tag. There's going to be a suspension. There's going to be a moment where his price point will absolutely catapult down due to one of these errors. And I'm going to be able to jump on a top line defender with significant value. The answer is you can view both sides of that coin and feel justified in your selection. I'm probably more on on the pathway right now of leaning towards, you know what, the value in the defensive line. And that's the last thing I want to ask you before we hit ultimately your outcome is your starting or an upgrade squad is I look at some of these insane value prospects we have and in super coach, we're now up to 40 trades. So there are even more parallels for the AFL fantasy community playing that game. While it's a different scoring and the price cycling is different. There's definitely some great parallels with the even further increase of trades. It gives us that chance to really hunt value and eventually get to a guy like Sicily when the price is right and not go, quote unquote, old school and get the best for as long as you can. What's your take on the value defenders this year and whether or not that informs your decision to start or fade Sicily? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, I think you're spot on, NJ. Like, there's so many of them this year, and it doesn't surprise me at all. I've picked um, Hayden Young the last two years now and uh, had a bit of a rocky ride early with him last year, and then I think I traded him out before he um, found form again. And I thought his breakout was actually going to come a couple of years ago, which didn't eventuate for me either. But I'm looking at him like a lot of coaches are. I think he's in more than 40% of teams already, um, and that number doesn't surprise me at all because um, he had such a good finish to last year as a midfielder. You can get him for 525K, and when you talk about um, those value options, he really stands out. Like You can even go to someone that um, maybe doesn't look like value for a second-year player, but Harry Sheasel's 556K, probably going to play a bit of midfield as well as playing behind the footy, and I sort of really like him at that price as well. I know a lot of people have been burned by Lockie Whitfield in the past. I'm certainly one of those too, but... Um, he comes in as the 14th most expensive defender and um, had a really impressive uh, second half of the year for GWS last year uh, in terms of his super coach scoring too. But those are just the guys, I don't know, that jump off the page as sort of potential value in inverted commas at above 500k. Like even even further down the list, there's some great options like Nazaya Wanganin Miller, the number one kickout player at St Kilda, 475k. Um, who looks like he could just be anything and, and really is sort of that that go-to quarterback for the Saints. Uh, I'm really keen to see, too, um, to, without waffling on and, and listing too many names, but just below him at 472K is, is Alex Witherden, who um, probably gets free reign in the West Coast defence without um, Shannon Hearn there now as well. And, and we know they took him west from Brisbane many years ago now to... Um, sort of get some quality ball use back in their defence. So I think he's going to be an important part of their back line as well. So there's just five options that are around sort of that 550 to 470k mark that if you wanted to potentially save some money and not go with James Sicily or one of those uh, top price premium defenders, you could potentially go down that path and um, spend the money else, elsewhere, MJ. But like you said, I think any week where you don't have James Sicily in your team's a nervous one because you know that he has that massive ceiling if he scores 160 or 170 and he's not in your team, uh, you know that you're more than likely to be behind sort of 15, 20% of the competition, if not more, that are likely to have James Sisley in their teams. But um, like you said, the trade-off at the same time, and and you touch on a good point with the, the 40 trades and us having more flexibility this year as well. But if you're patient last year and you took James Sisley on, he started at 624K, so he's about 10K more expensive this year. But the perfect time to jump on was just after round six. And he got down to about 533K when he bottomed out. So you could have saved almost 90K. And he then went on a run of uh, 128, 63, 134, 134, and uh, 172 against St Kilda. So um, if you were prepared to be patient, wait those first six weeks out. Yes, they would have been a tough watch if he'd gone big. Um, but those that were prepared to take the risk and take on James Sicily uh, last year got rewarded. Will it be the case again? Um, we don't know because, like like we've touched on a few times, he's got that huge ceiling and he could come out and score 160 or 170 in round one and you're going to look like a fool for not picking him. But yeah. um, just to, just as easily, you could you could end up looking like a genius for leaving him out if you end up getting him 100K cheaper or even more um, sort of seven or eight weeks into the season. So I think the only other factor that we should touch on is um, 
sort of Hawthorne selection because, um, and I know we've mentioned the makeup of their back line a few times, but there was a pretty telling correlation between um, Sicily's good scores last year and when James Blank was in the team. So mm. he didn't play uh, Blank from rounds three to round eight last year. And in that period, James Sicily's highest score, I think he scored 128 once without Blank in the team. James Blank comes back into the team in round nine and uh, Sicily scored 134 that week and then scored, scored the 134 and 172 the next uh, couple of weeks. They had a bye. And then again, uh, round 13, James Blank's in the team and he scores 136. So it goes without saying when they have that extra lockdown defender and James Sicily gets a bit more freedom, that that's when his scoring's at his best. So if James Blank isn't named in round one, you might want to reconsider James Sicily. But uh, if James Blank's there, um, you get that spike in, in scoring that James Sicily gets when he has that extra freedom and is, is allowed to roam a bit more. Yeah, it's a really good shout. So in the 11 games he played with James Blank in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 114.5. He goes at 90.8 in AFL Fantasy. That's a, a scoring di- change of 23.8. And while it's a 23.4 scoring change that you mentioned there in Supercoach. So it's up at 123, 124, while it's right down at pretty much a flat line ton for us in Supercoach in that with and without split. So really nice pickup. Do you want to own James Sicily in your side? Well, the answer is yes. I've got him. Yeah, but I've got when? him. I've got him for the ONJ, but only because I'm on. And like, I, I hate taking players with massive ceilings on. And um, yeah, I, I'm probably... I don't know, more inclined to be a little bit more conservative than that. And I've made some some pretty crazy trades in the past, which is probably where I, I tra- I'll take my risks. But especially with my starting side, I'd, I'd rather have a guy with a huge ceiling in there. And I think, like, I hate leaving Nick Dacos out, but I think with the early date that he's got with Finn McGuinness and also the playing in round zero, so he's got an early buy as well, I think I'll probably go James Sisley over Nick Dacos, which might come back to burn me, but hopefully I can use those extra 40 trades to get Nick Dacos into my team sort of around round six or, or round seven. So I won't have to live without him too long, but I've got James Sicily sitting at, uh, at D1 at the moment. And I imagine um, sort of barring anything unforeseen in, in preseason, he's likely to be there um, come round one when Supercoach gets underway. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to want him. Are you doing what Tim is and going, you know what? I'm just going to start, go for it. I'll take the medicine in a couple of weeks and I know I'm going to get an absolute every single thumping score he has. I'm ensuring I'm on him. Or are you taking the pathway of, I'm going to hope for a little bit of regression in that mark area. I'm going to hope for a little bit of attention. I'm going to hope for that brain fart where he just has one of those days and then capitalize like you could have in 2023 and save yourself that $100,000 from that starting price point or not. At some point, you're going to want to own James Sicily. Absolutely. And as you own him, there'll be moments of joy and there'll be moments of pain. But either way, he's relevant for us in the classic formats of the game. Before we wrap up, let's look at what it means on draft day, just purely based on what he's done now for multiple seasons in this role. He's a he's a clear D, D1 for us. And Unless you're going super crazy and trying to get two defenders with your first two picks. I don't think you could even do that if you wanted to anyway. But Tim, where is he going on a super coach draft for you? Is he a late first round? Is he second round? Does he even sneak through to the third round? Is that too far? Where do you see him going in super coach drafts? I think it depends where your first pick falls, mate. So if you've got an, an early pick, maybe in the first four or five, and you can get one of the absolute top dogs in the midfield, we're talking like Bontempalli, Petrarca, or if you really like one of the Ruckman and you can get Tim English or even Max Gorn, if you're, you're really bullish about him, 
I don't know, bouncing back and averaging 120 or 125, then you probably grab a midfielder or a ruckman knowing that they're going to score sort of potentially five or 10 points a game more than any of the defenders or, or certainly the forwards this year. But if your first pick falls late in the first round, especially if you've got, say, a 10-team draft and maybe you've got picks I don't know, 9 and 12 or 10 and 11, I'd be looking at grabbing James Sicily at, at one of those picks as well and, and trying to get him into your defence because especially when you're playing um, a draft format that potentially has less players on field, if you've got one of those huge ceiling scores that James Sicily can provide, that could make a, a huge difference um, in, in a draft matchup in, in any given week. So, yeah, late first round, early second rounds where I'd be looking at, uh, at getting James Sicily in my draft this year. Yeah, I like that take from Supercoach. I think in AFL Fantasy, he's, he's the second round into the early part of the third. Again, it just depends on how you value that back line. Nick Dacos will, almost across all formats, be the first defender taken. But then when you start looking for ceiling and scoring capacity, you've got to look towards a James Sicily. Now, Tim, there's a special offer that the gang at Code Sports have put together for everybody. I'm going to put all the details and the link for you in the description below. But for the first month, you get... Access to Code Sports, which gives you the Supercoach Plus and all the behind the paywall articles. So all the great takes that the News Corp and Code Sports team are doing at the moment is behind that. You guys have been busy this preseason. It sounds like you've got a little bit more to come for us as well. Oh, mate, Supercoach BBL just wrapped up and I thought, oh, I'm done. I might get to a couple of days at least to breathe and then we're pretty much straight into AFL preseason. So, yeah, there's a, a way the content already out there and I know the Phantom's been working pretty hard on, on some content as well. So like you said, it's a dollar for the first month to um, try out that offer for Code Sports. You get access to Supercoach Plus. So you get all the um, sort of background stats and ownership stats and everything else that the best Supercoaches have access to. Uh, and then you can decide after a month what you want to do. We obviously hope that you will you will continue your subscription, but um, you get it for a dollar for that first month to sort of try before you buy anyway. So it's a great offer that um, gives you access to the best sports journalism in the country as well. So if any Supercoaches are thinking about uh, getting onto Supercoach Plus, that's the way that I would do it. Yeah, get that sort of $1 a month offer. And um, I think for the rest of the month, if you want to sign up, or the rest of the year, sorry, if you want to sign up to Supercoach Plus, I think it's $25 for the year after that. So pretty good offer to get access to um, all those sort of insights into to Supercoach that you need to get right up the top of the rankings come the end of the season. So, um, yeah, that's the way to go about it, MJ. Yeah, well, it'll save you a ton of spreadsheet work because the data is all there for you and it's compiled really nicely. So uh, if you want to support what the guys are doing at Code Sports and Supercoach, make sure you do that. As I said, the details are in the description of this episode so you can go and check it out. Mate, where can we find you on X? And also massively, thank you so much for jumping on this episode. No, pleasure. It's uh, it's a privilege to to be part of the top fifty. Like I said, uh, it's you become an, an absolute institution of the Supercoach and, and fantasy preseason. So um, yeah, really happy to be a part of it. But uh, the Twitter handles at Tim underscore Mitchell, as most people might have noted by now, my surname spelt ridiculously. Doesn't have a T. Uh, it's M I C H E L L. So if you're searching for Tim Mitchell with a T in it, you won't find me. But uh, yeah, that, that's where you can get me on, uh, on Twitter or X. Um, I think most of the community would know by now that I'm pretty active on there. Always happy to have a bit of a chat and debate players and all the rest as well. So if you want to talk about James Sicily or any of the other players that uh, you're weighing up for your, your super coach teams, um, yeah, feel free to, to jump on and I'll, I'll do my, my best to reply and answer your questions about super coach. 
If you're struggling to remember what he just said, it was it was it with a T, was it two T's without a T? Don't worry. We've also put that in the description of this episode so you can click on, follow him, and then integrate and get involved in the conversations he's having in the super coach community. And if you play AFL fantasy, there are some great parallels that go both ways now, some great strategies that all portions of the community can share with each other. If you are enjoying the 50 most relevant and some of the incredible guests we've had so far and some that are still to come, you can go and check the articles that sit alongside these audio and video episodes. Simply check out coachespanel.tv. That is the website, a new article every single day during the preseason. We also drop these audio podcasts. So wherever you listen to your audio podcast, search for the Coaches Panel. Make sure you subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review. We might even read out your comment and review on one of these episodes of the 50 most relevant and in 2024 we thought you know what let's give youtube a go hey so now there's the video episodes so make sure you're subscribed along to that turn the notifications on and if you are watching this on youtube what do you think james sicily averages this year you can comment below and let us know what you think he averages this year in super coach in 30 seconds time i got a little bit of a clue about who's next in the 50 most relevant but if you are enjoying these daily videos articles and podcasts, let alone the opportunity to interact with us across social media, we encourage you to become part of our Patreon supporter group. For as little as $2 a month, you can jump in, get access to a bunch of additional content, fantasy footy community groups, and then you can jump right up to that premium tier with a bunch of other rewards, including getting the audio episodes of the 50 most relevant a day early. So you want to stay ahead of the pack? That's a really easy way to do it. The details to join our Patreon are in the description of this episode. So who's tomorrow in the 50 most relevant? I want to head back to the forward line. It's been a minute. We spent the most of the 40s looking at the forwards. And I want to talk about a player's fantasy potential. But there's two types of potential. There's projected and there's proven. This is a guy that it isn't just about projections. It's about proven. He is across formats, given us a hundred season before. And he's priced at significant value and a clear pathway where he could even return back to his glory days of scoring. There's some risk associated with him, but it wouldn't be a fantasy footy preseason and it would explain exactly why he's priced where he is. Who is this forward eligible player that's got 100-plus proven potential that's at a significant value space for us in 2024, you'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant.